0: If you're enjoying the Teas Made podcast, I would love for you to check out my blog, which is also called the Teas Made. We're doing something called the So Slow Book Club, where I'm writing about the same book all year long, and I'm writing regular essays on everything from sending kids to college to why and what I'm loving creating in the kitchen these days. When you subscribe for free, you'll get my posts in your email inbox, or you can jump in on the conversation over at my page. I also have some optional goodies for paid subscribers that you're going to want to check out too. Spring is here and I have a long list of topics I'm planning to cover. Everything from updated skincare recommendations to some recipes for fun spring-themed beverages. Come join the conversation about connection and creativity at theteasmade.com. One of the most disorienting things I experienced in my younger years of motherhood was how much being a mom changed my identity. There were ways I had thought about myself pre-kids that just fell by the wayside when my arms and often my bed were full. And for me, reading books was one of those things. I had been a voracious reader as a kid and a teenager and a young adult pre-motherhood. But then once I had little ones, my much more limited reading energy all went toward books and articles about pregnancy and birth and parenting. At one point, I realized it had been years since I'd picked up a book to read just for the fun of it, and sometimes I wasn't really reading at all. The good news is I found my way back to being a reader again because that part of me never went away. It was just waiting in the background for time and space to free up in my life. In today's episode of The Teas Made, I'm gonna share a few strategies I've leaned on to get back to that readerly life, and I'm also re a conversation with Amy Clark Creator of the Mom Advice Book Club and host of the Book Gang Podcast, where we talk about getting back to the things we really love doing, like reading. I'll also share a little bit about my current reading habits, which have become even more solidified since Amy and I first had this conversation a couple of years ago. So grab yourself a hot beverage and get cozy, because we're about to talk books in this episode of The Teas Made. Hi friends, you're listening to The Teas Made, and I'm so glad you're here. I'm Megan Francis, a writer, mama of five, and a lover of books, walks in the forest, cozy blankets, and of course, steaming cups of tea. This podcast is your chance to step out of the busyness of everyday life and find some calm and connection with cozy conversations about everything from natural wellness and self-care to creating comforting rituals and routines in your home and family life. And of course, we'll talk a little bit about beverages as well, including my very favorite beverage, Tea. So take a moment to pour a cup of your favorite drink and pull up a chair. The tea's made and I'm so glad you're here with me. Okay, friends, as I'm recording this, there is snow swirling outside my window and I'm tucked up into bed, which by the way, is where I almost always record my solo stuff. The bedding and pillows actually make for great audio quality. So I have been podcasting in bed for many years now, and on this particular day, it's gray and chilly, so my legs are under the blankets, and of course, I'm also drinking a cup of tea. So I want to tell you about the tea I'm drinking today. It's called White Christmas, and it's from Harney & Sons. They are a brand I've talked about on this podcast before. If you've not dabbled in white teas yet, I think you should give this one a try. So white teas actually come from the same plant as black and green and oolong teas, That's the Camellia sinensis plant. And that's the plant that what's considered a true tea all come from. So the difference is really in how the tea is processed after being harvested. So, where a black tea, which is what I typically drink a lot of, is highly processed and oxidized, white teas are very minimally processed. So they have a really delicate flavor. The white Christmas blend is flavored with almond, chamomile, vanilla, and cardamom, which was unexpected, but it definitely gives it a warm, Festive holiday flavor, and the tin is really fun and festive too. So, I have to say that when I first got a whiff of the dry tea in the canister, I was not sure what to think. I don't love the smell of chamomile to begin with, to be honest. And then this tea is pretty cardamom forward, which made that first scent just kind of funky. But, brewed, I love this tea. It totally changes the fragrance of it. I think it smells really good after it's brewed, and it tastes delicious. It's light and a little bit naturally sweet and very festive tasting. White tea is in general thought to be less caffeinated than black or green teas, but a lot of that depends on the particular blend and how long you steep it, how hot the water is and all that good stuff. But I will say I often drink this as an afternoon tea and I don't feel like it keeps me wired into the evening or anything like that, which I have to be careful about with black teas. It's very gentle. It's just a lovely way to take a break in the afternoon. Also because white tea is so delicate, I brew it with water that's not quite boiling. So the directions say to use water that's 175 degrees Fahrenheit. My electric kettle doesn't have a digital readout though. So I just let the water come to a boil, then I let it cool for about a minute and then pour it over the leaves. And I only steep it for about two to three minutes. I don't add anything to white tea either because I think milk or sweetener can really overpower the taste. Whereas with the black tea, I really like a splash of milk or cream and some sweetener. So I would definitely recommend you try this tea out. Again, it's White Christmas from Harney & Sons, and I will link that up in the show notes for this episode. So before I get to my conversation with Amy Clark, I wanted to share a little bit about what my reading life looks like these days, because it has really transformed over the last several years. Helping my family open a bookstore early this year has certainly helped to put me in a reading frame of mind. But this shift back toward being a reading first kind of person, like I once had been decades ago, has really been happening for years now, and I'm just in a really good place as a reader. There's a few things I've been doing that I think have been helpful, and I'm going to share some of those today. So the first, I guess, principle is I read what I want to read, and I really don't worry about what's trending or what the it book is everyone else is reading unless it really sounds like something that's up my alley. There is such a wealth of books out there In addition to the hot book everyone is talking about right now, you've got books that are hundreds of years old. So we could read all day, every day, and never get through them all. And I really feel like there's no point trying to get excited about books that I'm just not excited about. I have found there are certain kinds of themes I gravitate toward, especially in fiction. Those would be adventure, nature, overcoming odds. I have found that I like sort of wholesome books. And that's not to say I need everything to be happy the whole time or that I can't handle like adult content, but it's more that I want a book that feels hopeful or tells stories of people doing brave or heroic or kind things. I like the characters to be developing in a positive direction. So sometimes I will read darker material, but it's just not what I tend to gravitate toward. And you know what? That's okay too. I have to say that for me, essays and memoir and narrative is often a safer choice. I think that if I'm interested enough in the premise of a memoir or a nonfiction book to read it, I'm more likely to enjoy it than I might be if I chose a novel based on the cover or the plot or, you know, what other people think of it. Um, and that makes sense, I think, because choosing fiction can be a little bit more of a guessing game. Sometimes you got to try a book on for a chapter or two before you know if it's for you. So. I still read plenty of fiction. I'm just a lot more flexible with myself about not finishing books in general if they aren't grabbing me. And I give myself a lot of leeway on fiction. Again, life is too short. There's too many books out there to spend time with the wrong book. Sometimes I will go back to a book later and realize I really did like it, but I just wasn't in the right headspace for it. So saying no to a book today doesn't mean that I'm saying no forever. And keeping that in mind also can be freeing. Anyway, the principle I'm working with here is read what you like don't worry about what you don't like. I think the more you read what you like, the more you're able to sort of dial in what it is you like about what you like. I know I find myself really getting into a certain author because I just like their style. And then I will just do a deep dive on that author and read all of their stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. Who says we have to read what's on the bestseller list while it's on the bestseller list? Okay, and the second principle that's helped me rebuild my reading practice is that I'm just reading all the time and kind of everywhere I go, I have a Kindle on my bedside table. That's where I do my nighttime reading. Usually that is just a page or two before I conk out. I love that I can read after my husband's already asleep and I don't have to worry about keeping him up or turn a light off when I get really tired. Reading all cozy in bed, in the dark, with my Kindle on a low light setting is like a sedative for me. So I usually don't make it very long, but I also like that I can also reach for my Kindle in the middle of the night if I wake up at like 4 a.m. and can't get back to sleep. I'll give myself a few minutes, but then if it's just not happening, I will reach for that book. And it makes nighttime wakefulness actually feel a little bit like a treat and not that stressor where you're just tossing and turning and worrying about the clock. And again, usually after a little while of reading in bed, I'm back to sleep. I also have a stack of books next to the sofa. I have one next to the bathtub. In the morning, the first thing I do after the kids head off to school is I sit on the sofa and read, usually for about 45 minutes to an hour before I start my workday. This time of year, it feels so cozy to snuggle up under a blanket with the Christmas tree lights on and my cup of morning tea. I often have a candle lit, and I'll watch the sun come up through the living room windows. I love starting the day that way. I take a bath most nights, and very often I read in the tub... And then if my husband is watching TV in the evening, I'm pretty often just cuddling up next to him and reading instead. I like TV fine, but a lot of the time I'd rather be reading and then that gives him a chance to watch the shows that I'm not that interested in while we still spend some time together. So I guess the principle here is, just like with anything else, if you wanna be a reader or get back to being a reader, you have to spend time reading. I have found that it has a tendency to snowball and I find that the more I'm reading, the more I want to read, and so on. Well, the third thing I have found that has really helped me to reestablish a reading practice is to talk to other people about reading and to spend time with other readers. And that's why I'm so excited to be rerunning this conversation with Amy Clark of the Mom Advice Book Club. Tapping into a community of readers, whether it's in an organized way like joining a book club that meets monthly to discuss new books, or even just making a point to hang out around other readers, like in a bookstore or a library. Or asking your friends what they're reading these days. These are all great ways to put you into a reading mindset. So, we're gonna take a quick break, and then when we get back, you'll hear my conversation with Amy Clark. Okay friends, you have already heard me talk about my new Uptown Loafers from our sponsor, Vionic. I love these versatile, classic, and comfy slip-on shoes, and the Uptown Loafer is part of the Vionic Vitals collection, which is what I want to tell you about today. Vionic Vitals contains some of Vionic's most versatile daily styles, so if you've been curious about Vionic but are overwhelmed by all the choices, start with the Vitals collection first. The Willow Flat was my very first Vionic style, and I have been in love with it for years. I'm also eyeballing the Chardonnay Heeled Sandal for summer date nights. Like all of Vionic's footwear, the shoes in the Vionic Vitals line are super comfortable, stable, and supportive with Vionic's exclusive VioMotion technology. Go to vionicshoes.com slash vitals to find the vitals collection and use the code TEASMADE at checkout for 15% off your entire order, plus free shipping when you log into your account. That code is good for a one-time use only, so be sure to make the most of it. That's TEASMADE, T-E-A-S-M-A-D-E, for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com. Okay, Amy Clark and I had the conversation you're about to hear two years ago as part of the Mother of Reinvention podcast, which you probably already know is now the Tees Made podcast. But I'm excited to re-air it now because Amy is just about to announce her 2024 book club picks. So this is a great time to join her book club or follow along on social. I'm really excited about her picks this year because she's covering some great backlisted books that might have slipped your notice when they first published. And there is something on this list for everyone. She's announcing the book club picks at midnight on Friday, December 1st. So if you're listening the day this episode drops, that's tonight. This conversation's 2 years old, so keep in mind that some of the authors and books we discuss were actually from her 2022 book club, but all that content still exists too. So if you're excited about it, you can go check it out. Okay, now on to my conversation with Amy Clark. So Amy, you and I go way back as mom content creators on your site Mom Advice. Dot com I mean it's been around for a really long time now and you've done the gamut like parenting, food saving money, all kinds of things. but one of the through lines that you've really started to focus on more in the last several years has been reading is to the point where you've put together a whole community of readers and now you have
1: a podcast for readers. Yeah so I guess when I first started reading, I was just trying to get back to reading for myself. And thought maybe I might start including some book reviews on the blog. The blog was definitely more focused on good living on a small budget, was basically what I did, but it was DIY craft and food content for moms. But as I started reading, I thought maybe I'd just share a little bit about going on this journey, getting back to books and reading again. And what happened was that I found my people Mm. and I didn't know that that's where I would end up. It's definitely not something that I considered being a huge focus of my career like it is now. I share daily book deals and also I pick books for them every single month. And there's like so much love that goes in this community that I can't even express into words how much work it is, but also (laughs) how gratifying it is to do the work and feel like I'm giving people their new favorite book every month. But I do a huge process of selecting these books. So I don't just, you know, kind of wing it. I'm very type one about how I create things online, too. And so I select all 12 books, which get announced in December for the next year. And each of the books goes into different kinds of genres. So my big hope is that. People will somehow come in on a net where they may be very comfortable with historical fiction or science fiction or young adult books. And then they stay because they find out, oh, like I never even knew that I might like a different kind of genre. So every book is selected with the idea that they're all very unique. And my particular focus as like a tastemaker is that I want everyone to experience something for the first time. So it's like a debut novelist that maybe has just gotten out with their latest book. I like to focus on backlist books that maybe didn't get enough attention the first time that they came out. And I also like to look for really under-the-radar books for people that are not the big blockbuster hits that people would typically look at. And it's been twofold because... I have these great books that I found that I feel like I get to be the discoverer in the process of introducing them to that. But also, we have authors that are a little bit more motivated to be part of these dialogues because if you pick someone who is an established bestseller, they might not make space time for your community. But because I'm being the person that is the mouthpiece, the megaphone for this book that maybe people had never heard of before it's a completely different kind of environment for cultivating really great content with that person as well as with our community. So it's just been really, really gratifying because I've always been a reader and I have a true fangirl kind of status about Writers (laughs) Writers <laughs> and getting to talk to them about their books is almost too much for me. Like <laughs> I'm trying to shut it down and be an adult and not be weird about it, you know. What? But to me, that level of writing and their book ideas are so beautifully woven that I just want other people to experience it and to get to have those conversations is really exciting. And what's been really doubly exciting is that I love finding new facts about people and doing a lot of research. So we are putting together for our Patreon community an author interview series where I'm gonna be video interviewing our guests about their books that they've written and talking with them more in depth about that. And what's great is that I get to spend all day researching about the writer. So my whole like excitement about it is legitimate because I've spent all day like looking up the best, things, these little tidbits, watching every YouTube interview that they've ever done and reading every article so they can find this one fact that will bring something new to the conversation that nobody else would have. So it's, it's just so fun. I'm like geeking out over. I can my tell content.
0: like your, your <laughs> um,
1: enthusiasm is so
0: contagious. I have the biggest smile on my face right now. And <laughs> I love that you're doing that in-depth vetting because there really is something fascinating about a writer's life. And what does it mean to live a writerly life? And so that is just in addition to the books themselves is such a fascinating part of the process. And I love that you're digging into that because when you know the author, their books probably start to make a lot more sense too, I'm guessing. Yeah.
1: And I guess I just, I, I see the same interviews everywhere with these people. And I just have to imagine going on a, you know, book road trip tour or even like a pandemic tour like when you're going on these and everyone asks you like, so tell me about your book. Mm-hmm. Tell me about where you write. <laughs> like, it's not very exciting. Right. And you have to do that all day. But I, for example, I'm interviewing Jeff Zentner this week about his book in the wild light, which is a very low under the radar YA book it's starting to pick up some speed. I've noticed, but I am really proud because I found this book. I found this writer since his debut and he wrote his book on an iPhone 5s. When I interviewed him about his very first novel, he wrote it on a commute every day, back and forth. I mean, he time. He was a dad. but like with your, I don't with know, his but he would write it. Yeah, he he said he had, yeah he had really good like thumb muscles, I guess. But he did. He wrote his book on both you know sides of his commute, and then he come home, tuck his child in, write another thousand words. And I found all of that so interesting, but I had found it by like really, really digging. So when we come in and talk again this week, what I found out is that I guess he did an ad for the Nashville Transit because they were like so proud that he was writing this oh. book on his commute. But I'm also curious, what does that commute look like if you don't have one? Like now that the pandemic's happened right. and you aren't going out in the world How did your writing process change? But those are the kinds of things that I feel like are way more interesting than just saying, like, tell me about how you write. You know, I want it to be something that somebody's never found. Like I was trying to hunt down this Nashville Transit ad. I become like almost, it's like a stalker level about my writers (laughs) where I'm like in subreddits, you know, like just hunting down all the information. But I want them to see that I'm actually someone who shows up and has done her homework. I think we have to adapt our spaces for women's lives too. And sometimes those kinds of scenarios don't necessarily work as as far as like meeting up in person for gatherings. And I know that that we all crave that, that there isn't enough of that. But I also recognize that we're all in different chapters now than maybe we were before. And especially if you have younger kids. And so figuring out a way to make that work with people's schedules is always a challenge, but I have found personally setting it up for the last Friday of the month and just saying, that's when we meet and whoever comes, comes and whoever doesn't, doesn't come. And also for some reason, my community prefers to not meet on Zoom and maybe we're all Zoomed out too. Right. That's, that's another I'm thing. sure very possible. Um, <laughs> yes. And so I, I, I actually run my chats through Facebook where we have an event and it's a type chat. So people can hop on and answer the questions. They're each posted as an individual thread. It reminds me a lot of Twitter. So it would be like a Twitter party, but it's on Facebook and in in an event. So that's kind of the difference because I think, too, people are kind of doing it around their lives. And so they like being able to pop in when they're ready. But we also have a very lively chat of people that want to do it right in real time, which is when I'm sitting on that chat, too, with them. So, it's just kind of figuring out what makes sense. And something like an author interview is hard to schedule around an author, as well as around my schedule, as well as around a reader's schedule. So, we're just taping them and I'm doing like, you know, four or five of them this month and getting them ready. And then they'll be available on certain days instead of making it around when, when are, when is everyone available and when is this author? Because it's just too hard. Things are just too complicated. Sometimes those, things work if you have a large enough community. But for me, I feel like this is what makes sense with my life and with the author's schedule. And so that's how we're approaching it, is that we think more about how we can make this work for everyone involved.
0: Okay, friends, I got my pair of Uptown Loafers from our sponsor, Vionic, and I just had to tell you about them. They're cute and classic and really lightweight, and they do actually pack flat. I am definitely going to be taking these on all my spring travels, and I can see myself wearing them with everything from jeans and trousers to dresses, and maybe a little later on shorts. I got them in camel leather, but they come in 12 different colors. The Uptown Loafer is part of the Vionic Vitals collection, which features some of their most versatile daily styles. And of course, you know you can count on your Vionics to be super comfortable, stable, and supportive. Use code TEASMADE at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That code's good for a one-time use only at Vionicshoes.com, and again, you're gonna get 15% off your entire order. I'll also have a link to that offer on my shop page, and you can find that in the show notes. Again, the code is teasmade, T-E-A-S-M-A-D-E, at vionicshoes.com. Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Do you ever have people in your community who say things like being a reader used to be who I was and I can't figure out how to be that person again? I, I just feel like that's so common for us to feel like we've lost touch with the things that we used to love and then we're trying to rediscover them now that we've got the time or you know, maybe the money to buy books. I don't know, the things that we didn't have for a while. Um, but there can sometimes be like that. Our identity changed in the meantime.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting because I feel like it's it's not a childlike type of hobby, but it reminds me of being a child. Right. And I think that that's probably why many people tend to go back to it at different stages, is that they want to come back to those comforting places from their childhood. We have moms that don't read a lot, and we also have people that are in different seasons of their life. And I think that sometimes books just don't work. I found that. Audiobooks tend to be a great gateway drug to getting back to reading. <laughs> yeah. Because you can kind of work it around what you're doing in the house. And finding a really solid audiobook narrator or someone that you really enjoy listening to their voice and how they storytell can be a great way to start adding that back in. Because usually, if you find someone and their voice is that notable, They've probably done a lot of audiobooks. Yeah. So then it's just a matter of finding someone that you gravitate towards. There is a really great audiobook narrator who actually did narrate in the wild light that I was talking about earlier. His name is Michael Crouch, and he narrates a lot of different YA and other books. But his voice is just so pleasant that it feels much easier to read when someone's reading to you. And that can be something that you can do around your activities where you're not really sacrificing anything. You're not sitting down, just devoting time to a book, right. you're making it work around what your life looks like now. I've also found within our community that a reward is nice. And at, when we were kids, I don't know if you remember the book it pinned. Oh, yeah. And okay. the pizzas. So, you get your pizzas. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the overachiever always wanted all the stars and the personal fan pizza. I was obsessed with the book at PIN and I signed up for every library reader experience that I could where you got summer reading rewards and things like that when I was a kid. And so it's trying to find two ways that you can tie in those kind of gratifying moments when you're an adult. There's a lot of really great reading challenges like Pop Sugar, for example, does a reading challenge every year where they have different themes and maybe you find a theme and you start digging back into books. I know within our community, one thing that we do is we have a shirt illustrated with the spines of all 12 books. So it's something that every year we have this shirt made and people can buy the shirt and it's basically their book at pin where they get to show off the stack of books and people always ask about it and they'll wear them to author, inter- like author book signings and things like that because they're really proud because that's a way of displaying your book stack. So it's kind of tying into that childhood type of reward system, but in a different way. And there's lots of ways you can do it. Goodreads also is a great app that most people within our community use. It's where you can take a Goodreads challenge, which is a reading challenge that you take every year. You can sign up for X amount of books that you wanna read for the year. And it pro- it shows you your progress, but at the end of the year, it also shows you how many pages you read, what your shortest book was, what your longest book was, And all of your reviews in this really great little spreadsheet and kind of ties into that childhood like reward system that I need to see it all in black and white that I read X amount of words for the year. I read this many books, you know, and for me, I actually have a Goodreads competition with a childhood friend that he is my pal from church camp. And I had him on my podcast because we talked about how that's also motivating. So maybe it's being motivated by someone else to Get to your goals, you know, and and ribbing each other. And I just sent him a you know text message. Oh, I don't know, maybe a week ago, where I just told him that my status had not been up to date, and I was actually kicking its tail by like twenty books, and just wanted to let him know in case he hadn't checked in in a while. You I know. love it. And that kind of ribbing with someone, or just having a competition, a friendly competition, that works with your exercise routines or whatever you're doing, but it definitely works for reading too.
0: <laughs> well, and I love because, you know, with something like reading, I think we, ten- or any kind of thing that we're doing for pleasure, we get the idea that like only intrinsic motivators are worth it, I guess. Like you should be doing this for yourself, but they both work together, like those external motivators and the they help you set the habit, reframe, like rewire the brain, like, you know what I mean? That to say, I am a reader. And so you're like, you're like leaning in on those external motivators to actually make you want to read more.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And also, I mean, social media is a great motivator. There's, you know, a big book talk community for TikTok that is like driving all of the sales right now that's surprising publishing houses by books that were not published in a really long time or suddenly getting a lot of sales and they have to go to reprint or, you know, bookstagrammers on Instagram and mm-hmm. how they share their books to me that's super motivating to see someone else's stack or hear reviews from other people online and i find myself bookmarking tons of books that i plan to read so it, it just has to fit in with what is your internal and external motivator for getting you know to the goal that you want and maybe yeah. that is just one book a month and that's totally fine that we have a lot of people that only read one book a month. And that's great. And, and, but maybe the book club, it gives you a chance to see that you are still a reader and that there's yeah. a reader inside of you that you've neglected. Hmm.
0: Does any part of you want to write a fiction book? I know we've both written nonfiction very, very, very different, but I think that's a natural question for someone who's so into reading fiction.
1: Yeah. I actually had done a little bit of research. I was doing this podcast on romance books and talk to someone who only read Kindle Unlimited, which was very unusual to me, like that she told me this because to me, it's not a format that I would pick. And so I was looking into researching about that and started to stumble upon Amazon self-publishing and reading more about what it looks like when your book is on this, you know, Kindle Unlimited platform. And I have a idea brewing in me that I've had brewing in me since I did that podcast. But it's, you know, when do I have time to write and also read and also do all these other things? But there is one inside of me. I know it's in there. And if I was going to do it, I would not do it through the traditional publishing house like I did before. I would just do something being very small that would be manageable for me, like on an Am- Amazon publishing, self publishing platform. Yeah.
0: Well, I love that when we're at this age, it's time to get cracking on the stuff we care about. Well, I hope you are feeling inspired to really dig into your reading life, and I'd encourage you to check out Amy's site for inspiration. Again, I will link that up in the show notes, or you can go to momadvice.com. I also wanted to tell you about something that's starting soon at my private community for women, the T Circle. I'm hosting a super slow, low-pressure book club where we're going to be reading one book for the whole year. We are going to be discussing the book, The Comfort of Crows, A Backyard Year by Margaret Renkel. It's a week-by-week book of essays with seasonal nature themes, and we're going to actually read it and discuss it all year round. The first essay starts the first week of winter, so we're going to be kicking off the club right around Christmas time, but you can jump in at any time. This is going to look pretty different from a traditional book club in that this book is made up of short weekly entries, and we're going to find creative ways to delve into the material throughout the year. So you'll have lots of entry points, but you can also duck in and duck out of the conversation and just participate when it makes sense for you. I think this would be a great way to build some new habits and rituals around reading if you're trying to re-establish a reading practice, or it could also just be a fun and low obligation addition to other book communities and clubs you might be a part of. Again, that will be available to members of the T-Circle community later this month. And you can find that at bit.ly slash T-Circle. That's bit.ly slash T-Circle. That's all for this episode of The Teas Made. You can find links to the products and other things we talked about today in the show notes for this episode. You can find that by scrolling down below the episode in your podcast app, or you can go to theteasmade.com and find all the episodes, plus resources, links to my favorite teas and books and other products, a link to my private community for women, and so much more. I share new episodes every Thursday, so please follow or subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And while you're in your podcast app, I would love if you'd leave a rating or review. It really helps me out so much. Okay, friends, that's all for now. I will talk to you again very soon.